When I heard about these old seeds that were being grown out, I was really interested in them as seeds, but I was also interested in their stories. So it, it was fascinating to me that these tiny little seeds had been passed along and protected and shared for countless generations. Hello, welcome to Native Lights for Indigenous Voices Shine. I'm your host, Cole Primo. And I'm your other host, Leah Lem. So Native Lights is a place for Native folks to tell their stories, share their gifts and purpose. And we just love hearing them and sharing them. So I'm pretty stoked for the show today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Today's show, I was kind of curious about asking you, you know, if you had any uh, stories that you were reading recently or if you were working on any writings Mm. like poetry or stories Mm -hmm. I do like to write some poetry Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah you know um, I've been doing a few different things you know the poetry is I feel like like making radio making podcasts is its own poetry Um, nice there you go yeah see there's a little poetry there for Mm -hmm. for you (laughs) no (laughs) Uh, but um, I've been reading uh, some Stephen King. Bizarre of Bad Dreams is the short collection of short stories that I've been reading lately. Uh, Dad gave it to me for Christmas a while back, or, you know, this mm-hmm. past year. And it's pretty good. I, I like it because it's short stories. I can read one yeah. in, you know, 20 minutes or half an hour and call it good. <laughs> <laughs> and then have nightmares. And then, you know, read another the next day and have different nightmares. So, you know, can change it up. <laughs> you read good content so your nightmare content is even better. <laughs> Do you ever fall asleep while listening to a podcast or listening to, you know, um, a Netflix or Amazon show? I routinely fall asleep to Audible uh, books. Like right now I'm listening to Ready Player Two, which is the sequel to Ready Player One. Uh, sci-fi thriller, of course, because that's all I read, basically. <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely fall asleep uh, to those, and sometimes I feel like it could intermix a little bit with the dream world. I don't know. When I listen to stuff, it definitely <laughs> pops oh, into really? my dreams. Yeah, I'm somebody who can like fall asleep. When I fall asleep, I start to dream basically immediately. It's kind of strange. Wow. Because usually it takes a while to get into your dream state but for me I fall asleep like even if I fall asleep for 10 minutes many times I'll have had a dream dream. and I'm very impressionable (laughs) (laughs) yeah I've been talking lately about Minecraft and playing with my kid Mm -hmm. playing Minecraft and wouldn't you know if I have a good day of Minecraft playing well not a whole day but Mm -hmm. it'll work its way into my dreams I don't know why (laughs) Yeah. That's great. So you got to be careful about what you put into your brain because... <laughs> oh, yeah. It can uh, have lasting effects. Yeah, I feel like I like I love apocalyptic style movies and that definitely has influenced my dreams as far as apocalyptic events. Like <laughs> like the, looking up at the moon and seeing it just starting to come down on onto the earth. That was a big one. I'm like, oh, man. 
and just stuff like that where asteroids and t- tornadoes, of course, with Minnesota. Yep. I've had like a Noah's Ark kind of style Ooh. dream where like things start to flood and, you know, I'm in some sort of steel contraption mm. trying to escape, you know, just those end, end of days <laughs> <laughs> dreams. Yes. Nice. Yes. But today, yes, yes, I, we're not. It's not end of days. <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, no, so yeah, much nicer. Yeah. So of course, I'm asking about you know books and writing and all that stuff because it relates to our episode. Uh, the power of storytelling continues to be a big topic in our Native Lights shows, and this show is no different. Today, we'll be discussing that as well as food issues, food sovereignty. Um, so that's why I'm excited for today's guest. Today, we are speaking with Diane Wilson. Diane Wilson is an award-winning Dakota writer who uses her personal experience to illustrate broader social and historical context. She has a new novel out called The Seed Keeper. She's also the executive director for the Native American Food Sovereignty Alliance, and she currently lives in Schaefer, Minnesota. So I can't wait to ask her about her new book, her previous work, and just what makes her tick. So, And I believe she has just joined us online. Hello. Hello. Bonjour. Hey. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for the invitation. Nice. Very nice. Can you start by introducing yourself? Uh, Hamatakiapi. My name is Diane Wilson. I am a Dakota writer. I am a descendant of the Bidea Wakantuan Oyate and enrolled on the Rosebud Reservation. Thank you very much. How are you and your family doing during the pandemic? You know, we're doing pretty good. We actually live out of town. We live north of the cities about an hour. So we were already rural people, kind of, um, I wouldn't say isolated exactly, but used to solitude. So the change in in lifestyle that wasn't as abrupt for us as mm. maybe for was for other people. And we've been healthy. So I have absolutely nothing to complain about. And I hear you just, uh, like hours ago, got the vaccine. How'd that go? Was that the first or second? That was my second. And oh. Indian Health Board is just awesome. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, you hear all those terrible stories on the news of lines and people driving for hours to get their shots. Indian Health Board is beautifully organized, very welcoming. They, you know, you can smudge as you leave. It's just, it was such a great experience. Well, cool. That's good to hear that you're staying healthy and got your vaccine and all of that good yeah. stuff. Yeah. And we're inching closer to spring. So there's hope. Do you have a garden out there on your property? I do. Yes. Yeah. If you see this window behind me, I do. it looks out on my garden where I actually grow the Dakota corn that I write about. Mm. Nice. So uh, can you talk to us about the work you do uh, at the Native American Food Sovereignty Alliance uh, right now? Yeah, so I've actually been in um, food sovereignty work for about the past 20 years. I started out as a volunteer for a garden, a little garden that turned out to be Dream of Wild Health. Worked with them for many years. And then I'm now the executive director for Native American Food Sovereignty Alliance. And that's a national alliance of Native communities and individuals and tribal organizations who are all committed to rebuilding sovereign food systems. So it's really gratifying work. And what does that look like during the pandemic? Has the pandemic revealed 
Any particulars about food sovereignty? It looks a lot online. <laughs> Actually, yeah. what, it, what it has really called out is just how severe our food system shortages are and the issues. And I think a lot of fear around it. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've all known that we have issues around hunger mm-hmm. and quality of food on tribal communities. But what we see in the, in the pandemic is just how impactful that is of people's health. And so we did a seed drive last spring um, because more people were interested in gardening and getting back to growing their own food again. And we had we had really uh, a really strong interest in those seed bundles. So I know we sent out seed bundles to over 700 families around the country. So hopefully that will just spread exponentially as people grow out these seeds the the hope is that they share them with their communities and you just keep the work going that way. Wonderful. So I was curious how how does the 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 interest in you know food sovereignty and writing which came first uh, or is it all inter, intertwined <laughs> the seed together? or the <laughs> yeah <laughs> or the book um, <laughs> it took me a while to figure this out but basically I'm a, a writer and a gardener. And so those two, with those two interests, they inter- they came together when I heard about these old seeds that were being grown out at a tiny little farm in Farmington. And they came together because I was really interested in them as seeds, but I was also interested in their stories. Because there was um, Cherokee Trail of Tears corn, for example, an 800-year-old tobacco so it it was fascinating to me that these tiny little seeds had been passed along and protected and shared for countless generations in native families and and that actually led to um, volunteer work that then led to the work that I do in uh, native nonprofits around food sovereignty and to me, the work is all part of the same thing. So the writing is a way to understand it, to process it, to hear the stories, to um, give them shape and reshare them. And then the nonprofit work is a way to go into community and to apply it. So it's been really gratifying to have that combination of work because I think it's so important for our communities to re- reconnect and rebuild our, our food systems and and rebuild our relationships with these foods. It's one of the, the areas that I think for a long time we have not fully understood just how impactful the loss of these foods was to not only the health of our communities, but also to our culture. So by rebuilding those relationships, it strengthens all aspects of who we are as Indigenous people. That's great. Thank you. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're hearing from Diane Wilson, an award-winning Dakota writer who has a new book out called The Seed Keeper. Additionally, she's a speaker, editor, and is the executive director for the Native American Food Sovereignty Alliance. So, Diane, can you tell us about your new book, The Seed Keeper? Well, the new book um, is a novel, my first novel, I should say, and it's it tells the story of several generations of a Dakota family. 
um, in the voices of four different women and then the seeds themselves. And it's a story that follows the, se the seeds that were precious to this family from dating from 1863 all the way to present, well, actually to the early 2000s. And it's a story of how we have shifted in our relationship to these seeds and the sacrifices that these women have made all along the way to protect them and to ensure that we have these seeds for future generations. So uh, you, you spoke on, you know, what inspired you to write this, but how did you, you know, form the narrative? How did you, you know, what, you know, what made you present it in the way you did? So I wrote a story in from about what is now about the middle, about Rosalie. And she was always the main character. She was the one that had come to a place in her life um, after spending a number of years in, in foster care, that she had come to a place in her life where she didn't have any connection with seeds at all, despite the fact that her family had always taken care of them. So there was this near break. And, and then um, as I developed that, that um, scenario, then other characters began to emerge. These other voices, her friend uh, Gabby, for example, became a, a strong voice in articulating this perspective about water and protecting water and taking a little bit of a different approach to it. Whereas um, Rosalie was for a time living married to a white farmer and working and living on a conventional farm. And we have Gabby, who's an activist, who's, who's protecting water. But, you know, there's always trade-offs. And they're both raising sons. And what's that like to raise sons um, today? And then I, I added, I kept adding characters who could bring out earlier generations, for example, so that you can see the, the impact of um, some of the assimilation programs like boarding schools actually had an impact on our connection to foods and, and really how you can tell this history of what's happened to Dakota people through what's happened to our foods. So it's a way of showing food kind of as a vehicle for story itself. Great. Uh, had to notice that the artwork on the cover of the book is, is very beautiful. Yeah. Um, could it's you describe, phenomenal. Yeah. Could you describe <laughs> that? Please. Yeah, I have to give credit to the editor um, for Joey um, for um, coming up with that idea. It's it's a commissioned beadwork by Holly Young, who is a Lakota bead artist. And um, I don't know if this is the right moment to mention it, but the the book itself is going to be is going to launch as part of a five day series of events that are all around seeds. And the idea is that it's right before spring and we really want to celebrate uh, the gifts that we receive from our seeds. So there will be traditional storytelling, uh, my book launch. There will be an art exhibit at All My Relations Gallery and Holly Young's work will be one of the artists who will be featured. Mm, that's great. Is that throughout March? Oh, it's March um, 8th through 12th. And the idea, just to add a thought, is bringing the book, the way the book comes out to me is really important. And so the, this, um, this Seed Week developed out of the, this desire from a group of us 
who are all engaged in working with seeds and really wanting to not only we wanted to raise them up through stories, art and music and just show that not only is that an important relationship for us, but they're also incredibly beautiful and inspirational. So where can we where can we find the new book? So the new book is it's now out. Um, and the, I, I like to send people to Birchbark Books, you know, support an independent books bookstore. Um, it's also available through Milkweed. Those would be my two favorite places. So, so you talked a bit about the seeds um, and it inspiring you to write. Mm-hmm. What, what was it like first putting pen to paper or perhaps fingers to <laughs> the keys? <laughs> what got you from the seeds to that point? And I guess what did that first like spark look like? Well, then there was, you know, so there's the seeds and then there's the stories. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was part of the, I participated in the Dakota Commemorative March for a number of years, starting in 2002. And that was a 150 mile walk to honor the Dakota who were removed from the state in 1863. And it was on that walk that I heard a story about the women who not knowing where it was they were being sent or how they were going to support their families or feed them, that they hid, they sowed, they hid those seeds in their pockets and they sewed them in the hems of their skirts. And so that they were making sure that they would have seeds wherever it was they were being sent and that there would be seeds and food for future generations. So it was that, that act that of sacrifice and persistence and endurance, no matter what the cost, that inspired me to tell this story because I thought those those women need to be recognized for the sacrifices they make that are the reason why we have this corn today to 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 grow and to share. And then and it's also it's an also an example of how we need to be taking care of those seeds today because they're also challenged by a whole new series of threats from GMO, from industrialized agriculture, or from people simply no longer remembering how important they have been to our survival. So that story is at the heart of the novel. It's it's embedded in one of the characters who was alive at 1863 and then it, that story and those seeds moves along until we get to the contemporary time period today. And um, so that's, that's what's at the heart of it, was the desire to share that story. Thank you. So this is kind of a vague-ish kind of question, but could you tell me your thoughts on the, the power of storytelling in your experience, the impact of it, and just, you know, some experiences that you've had? Well, one of my favorite books is Thomas King's The Truth About Stories is That That's All We Are. And it's, it, it is just an incredible, incredibly written book about the power of stories to actually shape who we are. It helps us define who, who we are, who our families are, what we believe. It, it to me, is it's incredibly powerful enough to actually shape the way the world is. And so 
so that's why it was really important to me to to carry that story forward that I'd heard about these Dakota women and and lift up their sacrifices so that we we remember them and we learn from them today and we um hopefully we we can follow their example in being as strong in the way that we protect these seeds. So I have a question. This might be jumping ahead, but I think you bring it up is how do we protect our seeds and our crops from the the GMOs and kind of that uh, that battle mm-hmm. against supposedly, you know, the the next best thing, but instead honoring, you know, what's kept us alive and healthy for so long. Mm-hmm. And it uh, it seems like an uphill battle, mm-hmm. but I see the importance of storytelling in that it can help gain new perspective and, you know, if not change people's minds, but like, you know, see the significance Mm -hmm. of honoring those seeds. And, you know, it's, it seems like there's a long way to go, but there's, there can be a shift in understanding Mm -hmm. as a starting point to help us, you know, choose a different path forward with our food. Is that, Am I reading that correctly? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, absolutely. What I hope one of the main uh, takeaways for that novel are it's to me at it, it's, it's about relationship and that it's that relationship that we've had as indigenous people to these seeds and foods that was based in reciprocity and respect. And, and that is part of being a good relative and in the story, you see that relationship shift over time, especially as those seeds come under the control of what has become industrialized agriculture. And so what I really was trying to show is what happens when that relationship shifts? What are the consequences? What do we give up? Uh, what do we gain? And so it's that commodifying of a being who is our relative, and instead we are uh, using for profit and in, in fact manipulating in ways that are potentially harmful not only for the seeds long term but also for ourselves and our soil and our water and our air. So the the best way to me to protect ourselves and our seeds is to grow them and to eat them and to share them because there I mean there are risks to growing them because um, you're your corn, for example, can become cross-pollinated. And uh, Monsanto is has been known to sue people whose, whose corn has been cross-pollinated because you are then stealing their genetic, uh, patented genetic material. So that tells you a lot about that mindset that has gone into um, creating the genetically modified organisms that are our seeds. But if we continue, if we if we continue that relationship that we have um, honored with seeds from for thousands of years, then then it's that uh, relationship based in respect. So we grow them in our gardens, we eat them as food, we save them, and we share them. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. 
Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're hearing from Diane Wilson, an award-winning Dakota writer who has a new book out called The Seed Keeper. She's also a speaker, editor, and is the executive director for the Native American Food Sovereignty Alliance. Cole, and I know you're just dying to ask about writing. And uh, and advice for those writers who want to uh, get the, <laughs> who want to start a novel, especially maybe a sci-fi yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I also mentor a group of um, eight native writers who oh, are nice. uh, um, and so so this and this goes back to that question about story that one of the um, one of the issues I think facing. Um, Native people is that lack of visibility, that lack of stories that tell our version of history, that tell about our own experience in our own voices, and that it's really extremely important to me that we elevate those stories from Native writers and um, in all genres, including science fiction. And if you want to start well, you just you get a notebook and you get a pen or you can start on the computer or whatever works for you. And you just write down that first page. And the biggest thing is you just you need to stay with it. You need to practice, meaning try to go to your writing every day. And then you'll get there. It, it, it takes time. This book took me 10 years. I'm slow and I'm, I have other things to do, um, mm. <laughs> like so many of us. But if you stay with it, these books get done and then they get published and you're part of this larger conversation. And it's so important to tell these stories. That's great. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely one thing to say you want to write a novel to actually having a couple, more than a couple pages written. But it starts with that couple of pages. Yeah. You know, you start with those couple and then you add a couple and a couple and before you know it, you have a book. Very nice. Just like yeah. that. <laughs> Just like that. You learn how to write a book by writing a book. Mm. There you go. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Oh, I really enjoyed talking with both of you. <laughs> yeah, stay in yeah, touch. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, miigwech. Dokshta. Dokshta. <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm having an actual, you know, writer giving me some encouragement. So we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. That's awesome. Well, but, you know, there's nothing better, I feel, like than a blank notebook. Like there's so much possibility in there. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I just should, maybe I should send you a blank notebook every week. <laughs> and just say, fill this up. <laughs> just be a bunch of doodles in it. <laughs> But it's great to hear about her uh, her new book, The Seed Keeper, and just, you know, how it was based on that powerful, uh, you know, history of these women, you know, saving the seeds. Mm. Yeah, it's like a good, it, it, it's a wonderful representation of generations mm. and how we care and protect one another through generations. It's fascinating. Yeah. Cool. Well, Chimi Gwech, Diane Wilson for joining us. 
Diane Wilson is an award-winning Dakota writer. She has a new book out called The Seed Keeper. She's a speaker, editor, and is the executive director for the Native American Food Sovereignty Alliance. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Gigawabamin. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. If you want to hear more Native folks talking about their gifts and finding their purpose, search for Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, wherever you find podcasts, and find all of Minnesota Native News' content at minnesotanativenews.org.